Thank you so much for choosing to listen to the Refuge podcast today. At Refuge, we believe all people matter to God. Now here's an inspiring message from one of our leaders or pastors that will help you grow in your relationship with God. Well, I am excited tonight. I have been looking forward to spending this time with you guys um, pretty much since I came. Um, before I got up here, they had kind of dropped a little bug, like, hey, would you mind doing uh, a young adults when you come? And I was like, absolutely, because Michaela had just spoken so highly of this group of people. And then I came, and I've been here the last two young adults. And I've got to say, like, the way you guys just worship and the way you guys just pull on the anointing is amazing. I mean, the presence of God in, this, in these services has been so thick, like both services. And so I've just been so excited. I've been literally like, like shaking today, like, cause I just couldn't wait to come and just speak with you guys and spend this time with you guys. But I really want to create an atmosphere of expectancy today because I really believe and feel in my heart that since I've been praying for this service, that God really wants to do something so special in here tonight. And so as we even begin, I just want you to begin to expect that, you know, expect God's presence to work in your life. And um, tonight I want us to experience something that's not just emotions. You know, I think it's so easy to come to church and just have this, like, emotional experience where you might have a few goosebumps or something like that. But tonight I really want us to have a lasting encounter with God. I want us to encounter God maybe in a way that you never have before, maybe in a way you have. But I want us to encounter him and not just have emotions. So are you guys all right with that? Can we get an amen? I'm from the South, so I'm used to talking back. So can I get an amen? All right, we're going to pray. Father God, I just thank you for this time. I thank you for what you want to do tonight, Father God. Holy Spirit, we recognize that your presence is here, Father God, and we choose to connect and respond to it, Father. We thank you, God, for all you're going to do in our lives. We thank you, God, that you know each and every individual here, Father God, and you know their specific needs, God. You know their specific hurts, God. So I thank you that you are going to come and you're going to do what only you can do in the lives of each and every one of us tonight. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Everybody he said amen. amen praise the lord hallelujah let me get my notes together here hallelujah y'all ain't ready for this okay so as a church refuge we have been talking about culture shock everybody say culture shock and i absolutely love um this series only because i find it extremely appropriate i feel like it's like hashtag relatable this whole experience has been definitely culture shock for me um coming from the south i'm actually from living right now in san antonio texas where yesterday it was like 85 degrees you know and here it's like i get i think the first week i was here it hit zero and i was like where am i you know, like, literally, it's so, so it's, it seems very appropriate that I, they would ask me to speak whenever we're doing culture shock. And the definition of culture shock is the feeling of disorientation experienced by someone who is suddenly subjected to an unfamiliar culture, way of life, or set of alti- altitudes, and, or not altitudes, a set of attitudes. And again, my immediate response, this is my life right now. <laughs> like, literally, <laughs> this is my life right now. And so I'm not from here, obviously. And so the way you guys talk is quite different. For instance, at at daycare, whenever they tell all the children to get in their sleeping bags, they'll say, get in your bag. And I'm like, since when does A sound like, I'm not going to go there, but you know what I'm saying. You get it. You guys talk a little bit differently than where I'm from. 
And the next thing is that um, not only do you talk differently, um, some of you, well, I won't say that. That's kind of mean. I don't know why I have that in my notes. Lord Jesus. Um, also, something that's very different about here is the weather. You know, just how cold it is. It's freezing. You know, that's very different for me. But I began to think about this in our Christian life, right? Like, because we're supposed to be shocking this culture for Christ. And so I began to look at this in our Christian walk. And so I'm not from here. You talk differently. The weather's different. And I think, and I submit to you that as Christians, we're supposed to go into a place and they should be like, man, you talk differently than I talk. Or man, something about you is different than the way that I am. Or man, every time you come, the atmosphere, something about this place just changes. And I think that's what the definition of culture shock is for us as Christians. And uh, I have a quick example. So there's a, a coworker that I used to work with him. She was a very, like, loud and proud atheist. And um, I was like, that's okay. We can still be friends. We're cool. And uh, so I just began to, like, love on her. We hung out together. The fact that she was an atheist did not scare me at all. She knew I was a Christian. I knew she was an atheist. We agreed to disagree type thing. But one day she asked me to go to brunch with her. And I was like, God made brunch. Absolutely. I'll be there. And so we were there. And uh, she, we're just talking. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I don't bring it up. But she says, um, she gets kind of teary-eyed, and I'm like, what is happening? And she just said to me, you know, Saray, I don't know what it is about you, but there's something about you that's so different. And she's like, I don't know what it is, but I just want to be around you. She's like, I just want to be like you. And I kind of looks at her, and she's like, it's not God. That's what she said, because she knew what I was about to say. And she's like, it's not God. It's not, but I'm just telling you. And I'm like, no, it is God. It is God. It's his presence. And I don't say that to brag about myself, but to brag about God and how we should be encountering each and every person that we, we encounter throughout our, throughout our lives. They should sense that something is different, not even because you're preaching to them, but just because you're being who you are and the light of God is shining through you. Amen? Amen. So today what we're going to talk about is the fact that this well, I think we can all acknowledge that the world needs a culture shock. Am I right? And it is time for us to shock this culture. And I really believe that more than ever, our culture is ready to be shocked. I really do believe that. Not only because of my encounter with this coworker, but just because of the fact that I think you can sense it more than ever. This world is desperate. They need something different than what's going on. And so, but today we're not going to talk about the culture. Today we're going to talk about you, and we're going to talk about I. So the title of my message today is Time to Redefine. Look at your neighbor and say, Time to Redefine. So one definition of redefine is to re-examine, re-evaluate, especially with the intent to change. I'm going to say that again. Redefine means to re-examine, re-evaluate, especially with the intent to change. And I believe that in order to live as world changers and people who will shock our culture for Christ, we must continually redefine different areas within our own lives. We must look within and change ourselves before we can ever change the world. We have to change ourselves before we can change the world. If we are going to impact others for Christ, we must look at ourselves on a constant basis and re-examine, re-evaluate with the intent to change. We must change ourselves more and more to be like Christ. And I think that what that looks like, so what culture shock looks like for me or what shocking our culture looks like for me 
it's fulfilling the purpose and plan of God for our lives, right? Each and every one of us has a purpose. Each and every one of us has a plan. God has a plan for each and every one of us. And as we begin to walk into that, that's when we begin to shock our culture. You're not going to shock your culture by doing something that's outside of the will of God for your life. Shocking your culture and the people around you is going to happen when you begin to walk into the will of God for your lives. So we're going to look at today how we do that. We're going to look at today things that we need to redefine constantly in our own lives in order to stay in touch with the will of God for our lives. So the first thing we're going to look at that I believe is very foundational um, for us as Christians is uh, number one is to redefine our thinking. Everybody say our thinking. And Tim briefly talked about this when he uh, talked to us about Abraham and, and, re- and how he shocked our culture. But Proverbs 23, 7 says, whatever a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And I just kind of started thinking one day, what if everything that I thought somehow manifested in my life, my life would be quite junky (laughs) if that were to happen. But that's what the scripture says, that whatsoever we think in our heart, so are we. There's a very uh, famous quote I'm sure you guys have heard before, but it's so appropriate for what we're talking about today. And it says, watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words, they become your actions. Watch your actions, they become your habits. Watch your habits, they become your character. And watch your character, for it ultimately becomes your destiny. And I think that it's crazy that that quote starts at thoughts and it ends at your destiny. But I believe 100% that that's, that that's true. Our destinies and our purpose are directly related to our thought life. I mean, think about whenever you get a negative report from the doctor or just a negative report um, in general, or if you're going out throughout your morning and somebody's rude to you, think about how that just affects the rest of your day because you're meditating on that. You're thinking about that negativity, and it's, it shifts the rest of your day. And that just is proof right there that our thoughts can consume us. They will and can have the power to consume us. There is power in our thought life, and it has the power to literally make or break the things that God has called us to do because our negative thoughts completely distract us. They completely take us off guard and they can completely steal any confidence that God has given you because you're choosing to think negatively about yourself. And Romans 12, 2 in the mess, or no, no, it's not message. It's a new living translation. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn how God's will for you or then you, will know, then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And what I want to look at in that scripture is where it says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Isn't that interesting that God's going to change us into a new person by our thoughts? It's interesting and it's kind of intimidating all at the same time because we have, have to think about what we're thinking about. Because God wants to change us into a new person, but he's going to do that by renewing our minds, renewing the things that we're thinking about. And then in that scripture next, it says, and then you will learn to know God's will for you. So after he transforms our thoughts, then he will show us his will, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And so I, I know that God didn't do that on accident. That's in that order for a reason, because we have got to submit our thoughts to him before we can fully walk into the plan and purpose that he has for us. And um, so how do we do this practically? How do we redefine our thoughts? How do we reexamine our thought life with the intent to change it? 
first of all, I kind of said it earlier, is to think about what you're thinking about. That sounds really simple, but I think so many times I catch myself kind of going throughout the day, and I'm like, why am I in a funk? Like, why do I kind of feel off? And then I stop, and I'm like, man, the thoughts that I've been thinking about myself in these past you know, a couple hours or whatever have not been positive. They have not lined up with what God says about me. And so we have to think about what we're thinking about. In, um, let's see what scripture, in 2 Corinthians 10, 5, it says to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. And if we're not thinking about what we're thinking about, then how in the world are we going to take it captive and submit it to Christ? We have to recognize those thoughts that are being planted in our minds by the enemy before we can take them captive and submit them to Christ. And so once you have figured out those negative thoughts, once you've recognized them, then it is our job as Christians to uproot them, to speak what God says about us, and then to move forward because his word cancels out those negative thoughts. Amen? In Romans 10, 17, it says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So we overcome those thoughts with words. Faith comes by hearing. Faith comes by hearing the word of God. And it is the faith that we need in order to overcome those thoughts. And so it is our job to speak the word of God, to speak what God says about us. Because I, I truly believe that until we begin to think what God thinks about us. We won't begin to say what God says about us. And then we won't have the confidence that only he can give us to walk out the will of God in our lives. So do you guys see how our thoughts are so foundational? They're so pivotal to walk out what God has called us to do, which again, will shock our culture when we're walking out what God has called us to do. And there's something else. Um, I left a little... I left you guys a little note. I'm just kidding. I left a little confession underneath your um, chairs. And if you guys could pull that out right now, we're going to look at that together. Um, Something practical that I do in my own life is uh, I leave sticky notes everywhere um, that just say different scriptures, different things that I know God says about me. There's been seasons of my life that have just been tough. And so I'll fill out my entire uh, mirror with a dry erase board with different things that God says about me, just because then as I'm getting ready, I can see what God says about me. And that might look different for you, but that's just a practical example. But this is a confession that I put together that I think is just a really good start to speaking how God, uh, how God speaks about you. So I want us to read this together on the count of three. One, two, three. I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Because God is for me, nothing can stand in my way. I will not allow thoughts of my past to dominate where the future is taking me. I choose to fight for the dreams that God has placed in my heart. His plans for me are good. They are plans to prosper me. I choose to trust God with my life. I refuse to worry and instead commit to pray. I give all my cares and concerns to God because I understand that he loves me unconditionally. I refuse to be led by my own plans and thought processes. I choose today to surrender my life and all that I am to Jesus. He is able to do more than I could ever ask, think, or imagine. Perhaps this is the moment for which I was created. I will not stop until I have fulfilled the purpose and call of God in my life. No matter who it puts me with or who it takes me from, I will live for Jesus. I choose to see life from a different perspective, and you can watch me as I reach the top. Can I get an amen? And just speaking things over our life, all of this is scripture-based. It doesn't exactly say, you know, a chapter and a verse, but it's all scripture-based. And those are the things that we need to speak over ourselves. 
Number two is to redefine our trust. Everybody say trust. And we don't have time to go into it, but many of you may or may not be familiar with the story of Joseph that's found um, in Genesis uh, chapter 37 is where it begins. And um, it talks about uh, this young man who was given a dream by God. And he goes through a series of, of happenings. His, his brothers get jealous uh, because of his dreams, and they end up throwing him in a pit, and then he gets thrown into slavery, and um, he goes into prison. I mean, all kinds of negative things happen to this man. And then finally, at the very end, he interprets a dream for Pharaoh, and he ends up being second in command over Egypt. And I look at Joseph's life, and I have to think that over that whole period of time, Joseph had to learn to redefine his trust because you've got to know that when he was in that pit and then when he was a slave and then when he was in prison that he was thinking, God, like you gave me this dream. I know you gave me this dream, but why is it not looking the way I think it should look? Why is it not happening the way I thought it should happen? He had to redefine his trust. He had to reexamine it with the intent to change it because you've got to know that Joseph did not feel like trusting God throughout that entire process. He didn't feel like keep going, but he did. He persevered. He learned to embrace the process that God was taking him in, and he ended up in a place that was even more than he could have asked, thought, or imagined because he chose to embrace that, because he chose to persevere. And so we as Christians have also got, have to redefine our trust. I think so many times it's easy to say like, oh yeah, I trust you, God. I definitely trust you, God. But then when he asks us to do something, we don't do it. Or when something's happening in our life that we don't quite understand, it's so easy for us to get sidetracked or to get lost or to say, God, why is this happening? God, I don't understand this. I give up. I can't do this anymore. But that's because we truly don't trust God and we don't trust what he's doing. The thing I think is interesting about Joseph is that each and every kind of obstacle or hardship that he went through prepared him ultimately for the dream at the end. Each and every time he learned a lesson within those moments that prepared him and built that foundation that he needed for that dream that God gave him. And God does exactly that. He uses the, the messes in our lives to prepare us for what he has called us to do. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do, and he will show you the path to take. I love that that scripture says, don't look, don't trust or depend on your own understanding. Because most of the time, I think we're not going to understand. We're not going to understand. So that's why we have to trust and depend on him. If we could understand it all, if we could plan it all, what would we need God for? That's what he is in our lives for, is to lead us and to guide us. And it's okay if you don't understand. We have to redefine our trust every single day, every single hour sometimes, and say, God, I trust you. I don't understand what's going on in my life right now, but I trust you. I don't understand this obstacle or this mess, but I trust you. And we persevere just like um, Joseph did. So there's this little story I've heard once. I really don't know if it's true or not, but it works for this message, so we're going to say it. Um, there's this monkey in a certain part of Africa, and the way they catch it is by setting traps that kind of look like a Kleenex box is what I imagine. And they put, like, some food or something like that in, in the box, and they uh, cut a little slit that's just uh, big enough for the monkey. Let's see. For the monkey to put his hand in, but when he... Fit, he, when he puts his hand in a fist to grab that food in there, his hand can, can't come out. It gets stuck. So the slit's just big enough to put it in, not big enough to get it out. 
the monkey doesn't let go of the food, and like, you know, that's it. So I think about that story, though, and I think about how sometimes, like, like we have our own will, you know, we have our own plan, and it's just in there, and we're just holding on to it, and we're like, God, I can't let this go. I can't let this go because I don't understand what you're doing, and I'd rather do my own thing. I don't understand your plan. I don't understand your will for my life, so I'm not going to let go. I'm not going to let go, and what we don't realize is that we're being trapped by the enemy because we're stuck. We're complacent, and we're not moving because we're stuck, and we won't just let go, and if that monkey would just realize that if he would just let go of the food, he would live and eat all the food he wants for the rest of his life, and it's just that simple when we're looking at the monkey, but for us, it's so difficult. We can't just let go and allow God to do what only he can do in our lives. We have to hold on because we're like, God, it's so comfortable right here, right? here where I'm stuck, it's so comfortable. If we would just let go and allow God to free us and use us for what he has called us to do, we would walk into something like, uh, like Ephesians, uh, let's see, what's Ephesians 3.20, which it says, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask, think, or imagine. And he will do that in our lives if we would just let go and allow him to work in our lives. And that leads me to my last and final point, which is number three. It was just re- to, to redefine our will. I think our will and our trust in God kind of go hand in hand. And as Christians, I think sometimes we see vulnerability or being real and being raw as some type of like weakness, almost as if or that we're walking through that great people of faith if, if we admit that we're going through something or that we're walking through something or that we're vulnerable. But I look at the story of Jesus in the garden And in uh, Matthew 26, 38 through 39, it says, Then he said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet not as I will, but as you will. And the reason I say that scripture is because even Jesus who we're supposed to be like, who is our perfect example, had a moment where he had to be real, raw, and vulnerable with God. Because, see, the amazing thing about Jesus is that he's 100% God, but also 100% human. So the 100% God in him knew what his purpose and his plan was here. He knew that he had to die on the cross. He even knew the the outcome after he would die on the cross. But because he was 100% human, he still had that moment where he's like, God, I don't want to do this. If there's any way that we could not do this, that would be great. He had that moment where he was real, raw, not only with God, but with his closest friends. I love that he said to his disciples, I'm overwhelmed. To, I'm overwhelmed with sorrow. He was honest with those around him. I am overwhelmed with sorrow. And then he went to God and he fell on his face and he said, God, I cannot do this. I don't want to do this. If there's any way to get around this, please, let's go around it. But then he had that moment where even Jesus himself had to redefine his will. He had to re-examine it with the intent to change it. And he said, God, it's not my will. It's your will be done. And even Jesus could not walk into the purpose and plan that God has for his life until he chose to redefine his trust, until he chose to redefine his will to the will of our Father. And Jesus, like I said, he's our perfect example. We could look at other people all day, but Jesus is the one example a thousand percent we're supposed to follow. And if he had this moment, 
it's okay for us to have that moment. It's okay for us to be real, raw, and vulnerable with God and just say, God, I can't do this. I need you. And uh, let's see, in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, it says, but he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest in me. He said, I'm going to brag about the fact that I am weak because it's in those weaknesses that God can prove himself to be strong. It's not until I'm weak and I admit that I can't do this on my own, that God's grace comes in and is sufficient. It's in that moment of weakness that his power is made strong in our lives. But we have to get to that point of weakness. Jesus prayed for another will. He prayed for another way, but then he had a moment that he redefined his trust. Jesus fully trusted his father, but he still had a moment where he asked to get around it. That baffles me. Jesus, the son of God, he still had a moment where he said, God, I don't want to do this. But then he said, not my will, but yours be done. And in order to fully walk out, the plan of God for our lives. We must surrender every single aspect of our lives to him. It's okay to have questions. It's okay not to understand every single part about what he's doing. That's okay. But at the end of the day, the question is, do you trust his love for you enough to simply surrender your life and every single detail of it to God? Not just some of it, not just the parts that aren't so painful, but the painful parts the parts that you're embarrassed to tell other people, surrendering every single part of it to God. Because my friends, it is not until we do that that will ever shock this culture for Christ. It is not until we make things right within ourselves that will shock this culture because we have to be right in order to walk in his will. We have to redefine our thoughts. We have to redefine our trust in God on a daily basis and we have to redefine our will on a daily basis. And the worship team can go ahead and make their way up there as I tell this last story. But I just figured since we're talking about being real and we're talking about being raw and vulnerable, that I would have a moment with you guys where I was real and raw and vulnerable. But there was a time right before I came to Wisconsin that I had to redefine my will. And I had, I was living in Texas in San Antonio and I had recently got in a new relationship and everything was kind of starting to fall in place you know I had this really good job and everything was looking up and I'm just like yes God like this is good this is good I'm gonna keep doing it and yet on the inside even though everything around me seemed okay something on the inside was just off like I knew something was off so you know those times like when you kind of avoid God like like I know I should probably be praying about this but I'm good right here so I'm not gonna pray well I finally came to terms and I prayed and I had a quiet time with God. And in that quiet time, he told me two things. He told me one, that the relationship I was in was gonna end. And he told me number two, that I was supposed to come here to Wisconsin. And Pastor Deb had been asking and asking and asking and asking me to, and asking and asking and asking me to come up here. And every single time I was like, no, Pastor Deb, I love you guys, but that's just not, like it's not, it doesn't flow. I got this flow for my life, and that just does not flow. And uh, so in that quiet time, he told me that relationship's going to end, and you're, you're going to Wisconsin. And that was such a pivotal moment for me. And I'll be honest with you, I cried like a oh, baby. I mean, I love you guys now, but I, I, I was broken 
Because if you think, if you think about it, that was wrecking my plan. I had this guy that I just thought was it. I had this job that was amazing. And actually, right before I came, they offered uh, to make me a manager of the company, even though I'd only been there for three months. And I'm just like, God, I don't understand. Because all of this seems to be going so perfectly. Like, why are you wrecking this? I don't get it. I don't get it. And in that quiet time, I had a moment where I was kind of crying. And I was like, God, this is what I asked God. I said, God, why can't I just be normal? Like, why don't you just let me be normal for one moment? Why don't you just let me have this relationship? Why don't you just let me have this good job? Like, I don't get why you're asking me to do the things you're doing. But I had a moment, and I chose in that moment to redefine my will. And I felt okay being vulnerable. I felt okay being raw with God. And then I had that moment where I said, God, but it's not my will, but it's yours be done. And even though I don't understand every single thing that he's doing in my life, even though I don't understand the season that he has me in, even though I don't understand why I can't just be in a relationship like everybody else, I don't understand why I'm here fully, I don't understand what he's called me to fully, but I choose to say not my will, but yours be done. I choose to redefine my thoughts on a daily basis, to think what he's thinking about me. I choose to redefine my trust and say, God, I trust you. And I choose to redefine my will. And even when I don't understand, I keep walking and I keep persevering. And tonight, I really have just been feeling it in my spirit to pray over those of you who want to have that moment with God. Maybe you've been having a hard time redefining your will. Maybe God's asking you to let go of a certain part of your life. And only you know what that is. Only you know the areas that you need to let go of. Only you know the areas that you need to surrender. Maybe it's an addiction. Maybe it's a relationship. Maybe it's a bad habit. Maybe it's, you know, something that God's calling you to do and you just don't want to step into it because you're scared or whatever the, the reason may be. But tonight, I want us all together to be real and to be raw and to be vulnerable with God. Because I think here we're family. I mean, we played I have and I have not, so now we know each other, right? We're family. We're good. So I think we need to have that moment together where we're real and where we redefine and we say, God, not my will, but yours be done. And if you haven't been able to do that on your own, we're gonna do it together here tonight because I want and I fully believe that this church is gonna be used of God to shock this culture. But in order to do that, we have to practice redefining our lives to look more and more like Christ. So if you will just bow your heads and close your eyes with me, we're gonna pray. And actually, before we even go there, if you have not ever, the first step, before we can even redefine these things, the first step is asking Jesus into your life and surrendering your life to him. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you have never asked Jesus into your heart, we're gonna take care of that first. And so if you'll just raise your hands, anybody has not asked Jesus into their heart. Perfect, I see your hand. All right, we're gonna pray. You guys just repeat this prayer after me. Heavenly Father, I admit that I am a sinner in need of a savior. I ask you to forgive me, to cleanse me, to make me new again. Jesus, I invite you into my life to be the Lord and the Savior of my life. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your grace. 
and thank you for a new life found in you. In Jesus' name, amen. And now we're gonna have the moment where we redefine our wills. And so tonight with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to have that moment with God tonight and you're just like, man, I have stuff. I have an addiction that I need to surrender. I have a stronghold in my life that I need to surrender. I have a relationship I need to surrender. I just need to surrender my will to God because I know that I'm not doing what he's called me to do. I want us to have that moment tonight. And so if you'd raise your hand right now, if you want to redefine your will, amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Well, we're gonna do one more song. We're gonna do one more song. And I strongly encourage if you raised your hand to please come up here with me. We have a prayer team that wants to pray for you. I want to pray for you because I have that moment and I wanna have that moment with you. I wanna walk with you as you redefine your will because I know it's not easy to do. You can be like me where at the beginning I was angry. Like I was angry with God and that's okay. But as long as we have that moment right after where we choose to redefine just like Jesus did and say, Jesus, not my will, but yours be done. Thank you so much for listening to The Refuge Podcast. To find out more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages, you can visit us online at wearerefuge.net.